0: The legal cannabis industry has unlocked generational wealth opportunities across the country. But the industry's regulatory complexities, constant state of change, and speed of evolution drive confusion for entrepreneurs and investors alike. On this podcast, we'll interview the industry leaders who are shaping the future of the legal cannabis industry to help our listeners understand these idiosyncrasies. This is Cannabis Unlocked, hosted by Key Investment Partners. everybody, uh, welcome back to another episode of Cannabis Unlocked. Um, I'm excited to have my buddy David Culver here from Canopy Growth. David heads up uh, government relations at Canopy. Um, He's been a friend of Key for some time now. This is the second time we've had David on the podcast and a lot's happened since about a year ago when we last interviewed here um, with regards to kind of where things are from a market perspective, um, the regulatory outlook, etc. So, um don't want to steal his thunder. So without further ado, um, David, if you want to introduce yourself and, and canopy quickly here for for our audience, that'd be great. Yeah, well, thank you so much uh, for having me. it's uh, It's great to be back on with you,
1: and it has been almost exactly a year since we spoke. and there's been uh, there's been a lot of action in the space uh, that we've been we've been focused on. Uh, and we can certainly get into that. But uh, I'm David Culver. I'm uh, the, the head of Global Government Relations for Canopy Growth. Uh, And we are a Canadian licensed producer, uh, but a very unique one uh, in terms of um, how we operate globally. We are owned actually by Constellation Brands, uh, which is a um, beverage alcohol company. And they have a a suite of products in the beer, wine, and spirit space. um, And they're based out of Rochester, New York. Um, So as a result of that ownership, Canopy uh, only operates where federally permissible. So in Canada, that's full adult use. But in the United States, that's only in the uh, CBD business. So we have a line of products uh, in the US um, led by Martha Stewart, uh, among others, that uh, we are we are working on in, in, in the US uh, and we have the medical business uh, in Europe. We yep. also uh, are the company that has the option, uh, once permissible to do so, uh, to purchase uh, three companies, Juana, uh, which is a edibles company in Colorado, Jetty, Uh, and also uh, Acreage Holdings, which is a multi-state operator uh, here in the U.S.
0: David, would you say that that approach is kind of how you guys are going to get your foothold into adult use upon federal legalization? Is that the plan? Yeah, that is the
1: plan. Uh, And I think that, you know, it's just a matter of time uh, for us before that permissibility event occurs. Uh, And I think that we are very much excited about exercising said options, and then we are literally off to the races. Uh, So we would have a, uh, we would have to do a license transfer with acreage holdings, but they're in eight States right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Jetty's in California, Juana's in Colorado, but, you know, that's our immediate entry into the, into the U S adult use market.
0: That's awesome. Well, well, hopefully that, uh, all transpires sooner rather than later. You know, it's, uh, we've been in this industry for a while and I think that the writing has been on the wall for a long time, that federal legalization is ultimately going to happen, but, you know, the path to that actually happening is certainly been winding and, and a roller coaster ride. Um, before we get into that, though, I, I wanted to just ask you, you know, given your, your background, um, how did you get into government relations for, for a marijuana company? Can you talk to us a little bit about, you know, why, uh, you know, where you've been and, and why you chose to join Canopy? Yeah, sure. So I started my career in uh, Washington
1: um, as a staffer in the U.S. Senate, and I did that for a number of years. And then I left uh, the Senate to go to a trade association and specifically the Distilled Spirits Council of the U.S., uh, where I worked for 16 years and it was a fabulous job. Uh, being the, the, the liquor lobbyist uh, domestically was was great fun. Uh, we also got money from the Department of Agriculture to market American spirits overseas and that was something that we did on a quarterly basis that was that was quite exciting and fun as well. But I was ready for a change um, and I think that uh, I had a number of friends that were looking at cannabis. One, I actually helped get into a cannabis job, uh, and he was just excited about the industry and excited about what he was doing on the, on the global scale. Um, so, when Canopy announced that they were looking for somebody in the U.S., I decided it it makes sense to go and speak to them, uh, and I did. And I sat down and I made it very clear to them that they didn't need a, you know, just a Washington D.C. person. They needed somebody that could do Washington and the states. Uh, and the rest of the globe, quite frankly, uh, because I saw this at the time, this is almost four years ago, uh, as moving a bit quicker than it has uh, to mm-hmm. date. Um, and we just hit it off. And uh, you know, next thing I knew, uh, it was the beginning of the year, and I had a brand new job, uh, and it's been a wild ride over the last four years.
0: Awesome. now that's it's it's a great story. and and you know, it's funny, I, I've been in the industry for about four years now, and we, as, as you're well aware, we always say the industry moves in dog years, so it certainly feels like it's, it's been a lot longer, but uh, very much rewarding and, and certainly see a, a light at the end of the tunnel, at least getting closer these days. You know, curious, w- what are your views on the current state of the cannabis markets? I, you know, fr- from our perspective, we're seeing an industry that is more and more mature every day. We're seeing U.S. legal sales you know, growing 30 plus percent year over year. We expect for that growth rate, at least from our point of view, to continue into the future. But basically, since Biden was elected office, we're seeing most major publicly traded cannabis companies trading close to all time lows right now. From our perspective, we you know, we're telling our investors you have a more mature asset class than ever before trading about as cheap as it ever has and if you can be very selective we think this is a major opportunity but maybe talk to us a little bit about the state of the cannabis markets maybe why these companies have have traded down and, and what what's the perception from, from your point of view
1: yeah well this is this is a low point uh, for the industry there's no question about it and i think it is the low point though before uh, the high point And I know that sounds very obvious, but uh, we are going to get to a much, much better place in terms of stock prices um, and just the market generally. I'm firmly convinced of that. Not only are the analysts predicting that the market is going to grow to 100. I heard an analyst say the other day that it's going to be closer to 200 billion by the end of the end of the end of this decade. U.S. sales, 200 billion. Correct. Wow. You know, I would not heard that number before. I've been hearing 100 billion quite Mm -hmm. for now. Um, and even if we just hit 100 billion, that's still significant. That's almost as large as the the, the beer industry here. It's more than three times the current industry today. Correct. So, yeah. yeah. So I think that that growth is going to occur. But look, we've, we've had a number of problems uh, in the industry. And uh, I think let's look at California and the illicit market. Uh, that's a good example. We're facing those, those same headwinds in Canada, too, we're four years into legalization up there, and uh, there's there's still over 50% of the market is illegal, uh, and that's a big problem. Um, the the second thing we're dealing with is uh, the regulatory burdens and the tax uh, burdens that we're facing all across uh, the country. Uh, and there's been efforts to try to clean some of those up, um, but you know there's significant headwinds that the uh, the industry is facing as we're we're at this infancy point. Uh, but it's going to get better and um, again, I'll, I'll look to just north of the border, the Canadian government just started their Cannabis Act review process, which they are mandated by law to do, that just was announced. Uh, and they're going through that over the next 18 months. So it's our hope that that market can actually um, get a bit better uh, for the commercial side so that we can all do business better and uh, you know lead us ultimately to profitability. But the market is growing. Uh, there's gonna be a number of new states that come online uh, this year. And uh, we're excited about that. And uh, I think 2023 is gonna be a legislating year for the states. Uh, so that's, a, you know, there's enormous possibility there as well, uh, especially around um, business deductibility. We talked about that on the, the last time I was here. Mm-hmm. We may wanna touch on that a little bit more. There's been some excitement there, but that'll be a big push uh, as an industry that we have in 2023 to try to reduce that effective tax rate. Yep. Um, and again, that's gonna be another step that we have towards profitability.
0: Yep. Yep. Nope. Uh, That all makes a ton of sense. And, you know, last time we we spoke was right after Booker, Schumer, and Wyden had introduced the uh, Cannabis Administration Opportunity Act. I think we all knew that it was going to be dead on arrival, but I think it also goes to show that there is a lot of momentum. We're seeing more and more legislation being introduced to Congress or the House um, every year. What are your expectations maybe for say safe banking or some incremental reform getting done this year? I, I would say from our point of view, it's we operate more under the guise that it's probably not going to happen from an underwriting perspective. When we think about deals and due diligence, I'd rather be surprised on the upside and not heartbroken on the downside, but it's seemingly it has, there's a lot of buzz out there that, you know, maybe this is the year. What, What are your thoughts? Well, I'm definitely gonna be heartbroken
1: if this thing doesn't get done by the <laughs> end of the I'll just be very blunt about that. Um, but before I get to state, let me back up and just mention that uh, there there is a research bill that has passed out of the House and the Senate that uh, we actually thought we were gonna get done yesterday through unanimous consent. Um, but it got held up by Senator Cornyn from Texas, unfortunately, uh, kind of at the 11th hour, and it didn't end up going through. Um, but that would have been the most significant or the first uh, significant cannabis reform legislation to go to the president's desk um and it would have been a big moment for us but well,
0: we're gonna can you to talk to us a little away. bit about the research bill what it is why it would have been of significance and and maybe um does it ha- i mean is it now dead or or is there still a chance to push this through yeah, definitely not dead. Uh, any senator in the
1: U.S. Senate can hold up any piece of legislation, and that's unfortunately what happened to this bill yesterday. But just in layman's terms, this thing would just make it much easier for cannabis to be accessed and researched, which is something that that we need uh, desperately. Uh, so universities, so, big pharma, every everything under the sun. Yeah. Uh, so I, you know, when we um, when the Democrats took control of Congress in 2021, uh, and obviously they had the White House, we, we really pressed for incremental reform to occur in 2021. And then for um, the, the Senate to look at the comprehensive pra- package prior to the election, because we knew that the, the politics were gonna be so good around cannabis going into 2022, because they already were in 2020. Uh, we just, we knew they were gonna be even better in 2022, but they chose to go about this very differently. Uh, and they chose not to do incremental reform, which I think was a big mistake. Uh, They held the CAOA until just recently, uh, and then they finally introduced it. Um, And it uh, really, it had a hearing, but that's about the extent of it. So now we're in a situation where we have to try to get something done during the lame duck period, which is the period after the election, uh, where they come back and try to clean up any items in the Congress that they, they weren't able to tackle prior to the election because the politics were so, so difficult. Um, Safe banking uh, is something that has been socialized uh, both in the House and the Senate. It's passed the House seven times uh, and it's got uh, nine Republican co-sponsors in the, in the Senate. Um, And then there's talk about adding additional items to it um, that most notable would be the HOPE Act, which is a an expungement bill that would allow for funding to go to states for them to expunge records um
0: which is very And that's important. seemingly a need to get safe passed right uh what's a need getting the hope act done or getting the expungement the the social justice social equity reform component yeah. of safe yeah
1: so we we absolutely want to tackle um the the social equity side of things i mean uh, you know There's no, everybody realizes that cannabis was used for 50 years in the war on drugs to primarily put people of color in prison and that's just wrong. And we should be doing um, something a lot more significant in my mind uh, upfront before we do and on the social equity side of things before we do anything to benefit the commercial market. But unfortunately the politics are not there um, at the moment. And I would also argue that if we do uh, pass a bill like the Safe Banking Act, uh, that's going to provide access to capital for these uh, minority uh, business owners that um, are going to see this, you know, this wave that is cannabis, uh, and hopefully profit from it significantly going forward. So um, New Jersey is a good example of how this would be helpful. They they have licenses um, that are given on a temporary, they're conditional licenses, uh, and you have to show that you can set your business up and um, operate it. Uh, but how do you do that without access to capital? And yep. so a lot of folks are, are, are failing as a result of the fact that they, they just don't have uh, the cash to set up the, the retail shops that the state wants them to. So um, I would argue that the banking piece is a really important first step, um, but you know we as a nation need to also to be uh, doing much, much more to right the wrongs of the past uh, as it relates to the, the war on drugs. There's a number of other things that are being talked about uh, as it relates to this package. Um, And that's safe harbor for other businesses that would like to service state legal uh, or legal state uh, businesses, Um, small business administration loans, uh, access for veterans. Um, There's a bill called the Prepares Act. That's being looked at that uh, would basically set up a, a 12-month commission to look at what the best regulatory structure is for cannabis. So there's a lot of things that are being tossed around. Um, at the end of the day, this is really just going to be about the priorities uh, and whether or not um, this is a priority for democratic leadership to put on the floor. Uh, the lame duck is a very, very crowded period of time uh, where people are scrambling to get their business done. And we're one of dozens of industries that's going to be fighting tooth and nail to try to get our piece done uh, during that very short window of time.
0: It's, It's just absolutely bonkers to me at this point in time with close to 40 states that have some form of legal cannabis that all these companies are operating with these handcuffs. I mean, the lack of access to capital traditional banking I, I mean, we, we see it on a daily basis with our investments or even our investors. I mean, even us personally with our bank accounts, it's really, really tough out there. I mean, you have to jump through a lot of loops and a lot of hurdles that other industries don't have to. And it's, 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 it's madness. I'm curious, you know, with regards to safe banking specifically, what, what are maybe a, a couple of things that would cause safe banking not to pass this year? Or maybe what are, what are a couple of things on the flip side that, that would push safe banking forward? How, how do you, I don't know if you can put a finger in the air to say there's sure. X percent likelihood, but what stops that from happening? Uh,
1: everyone always asks me for my percentages. Uh, 50-50, I'm gonna give you on this one. All right, all right. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, on the why it won't get done question, uh, it's again, back to priorities. There's a lot of other things that um, senators have prioritized uh, for their state that they're going to try to get done uh, in the lame duck period. In fact, I can remember speaking with my former bosses saying, okay, we've got two priorities going into the lame duck, we're probably only going to get one. Um, and that was just that was just how it is. and uh, That's how it is now too. So um, that's, those are the headwinds. Um, Because we have had so many robberies uh, and now deaths associated with dispensaries across the country, uh, this this issue has been elevated significantly. Um, That that has been very helpful. Uh, The gentleman, um, the father of the young man who uh, was killed in the dispensary in Washington State, he's done a lot of media of late around this uh, to really elevate the discussion. We've got to take the cash out of the system. Uh, The second thing is that Uh, I was mentioning earlier about these um, minority uh, equity licensees uh, that certain states are providing and uh, those businesses, those programs are not going to succeed without access to capital. And the governors know it. Uh, We've just we've been raising it to anybody that will listen with us uh, to us. So they're now weighing in uh, with uh, their Senate um, colleagues. To let them know that they need safe banking in the states in order for these equity programs to succeed and you know new york and new jersey are probably the best examples because you've got senator booker from new jersey as a leader and obviously senator schumer from new york the leader Uh, so having their governors weigh in and asking for it too i think is going to be very helpful and then finally i'll say that the industry um has gotten a big a bit better about being organized politically in washington to try to get something done but uh, we are still divided on many, many fronts, uh, and it's tough to get anything done on Capitol Hill if you don't have the entire structure of a, of an industry uh, that's united and marching in the same direction. So uh, that, I guess, is a, a bit of a headwind, but um, I'm, I'm somewhat hopeful, and I think if we do get the banking bill done, it's the crack in the dam, uh, like yep. I was saying earlier, that Uh, It really opens up the door for all these other businesses to jump in because they're going to see the banks that were given safe harbor. They're also going to want it for themselves. Uh, And uh, I also think a lot of them are going to go ahead and jump in because they're not going to see uh, any enforcement risk
0: at all. So so safe banking would really accelerate, at least from your point of view, the momentum ultimately towards federal legalization, interstate commerce, international cannabis from the U.S., etc., I think it's gonna accelerate um, the safe harbor discussion
1: for other businesses. Uh, I think that taking cannabis off schedule, um, you know, just entirely from schedule one to taking it off, I think, I think, I wouldn't hold your breath on that one. Uh, that may, <laughs> that may be, be a while. Yeah, uh, but in terms of providing safe harbor to other businesses that wanna service the legal cannabis industry, um, I think it makes it really easy for Congress to to go ahead and act on this. Uh, yeah even next year if it's a republican controlled house uh, and and senate it may not be a priority for them but these businesses are going to start going up there and lobbying this as hard as i am exactly because they 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 want the business they want to expand their business
0: yep yep well that's that's a a great point of view and i appreciate you kind of walking us through your thoughts here so you know kind of coming towards the end of the uh the podcast series here curious What type of advice would you give to cannabis companies today who are struggling in a tough cap markets environment, who are dealing with all these regulatory pressures? What would you say to them with regards to maybe how to navigate the the next few months and and even a couple of years here ahead of us? Yeah,
1: well, I I would say uh, at a minimum, uh, hold tight and watch closely for the next three months uh, because they're... There's going to be two potential significant things uh, that are going to occur, and, and you know we didn't touch too much on the election itself, but um, we have a handful of ballot initiatives that will be on the, the ballot in 2022. And in 2020, uh, I told the media the day after the election that there were three big winners uh, after election day. One was Joe Biden, one was potentially Chuck Schumer, and then of course, the third was cannabis. Uh, And I think we're going to have the exact same situation again in 2022, Um, more and more markets coming online in the medical and the adult use space. Uh, And I think that uh, we could be somewhere between 43, 44, maybe even 45 states that have established programs uh, at the beginning of 2023. So that's exciting for me. uh, And that's something I think that um, folks in the cannabis space should be watching closely and should be excited about. Uh, The the second thing, of course, is the Safe Banking Act. And Mm -hmm. um, I really do feel confident saying that if it does get done, that it is the crack in the dam that's just gonna open this whole thing up. Uh, And I think that momentum will be able to continue on the federal level. And you're gonna see more and more states uh, get involved uh, with cannabis and expand their markets because more and more businesses wanna be a part of it. Um, And then the final thing I'll say, Uh, that folks should be optimistic about, and this didn't get nearly as much media attention as I think it should have, is that we have not had someone in the administration that is solely focused on cannabis in 18 months. So since President Biden was sworn in, there hasn't been one person. Just this week, uh, it was announced that Norm Bierenbaum, who's the former regulator from New York, and prior to that Rhode Island, is going to the Food and Drug Administration to lead a interagency coordinating committee on cannabis. Um, and this says to me, finally, that this administration is actually looking to engage in the space uh, and uh, to really follow through on the campaign promises to move cannabis down schedule uh, and decriminalize it. But it's Norm's job to go in there and try to figure out uh, how they do it and how they, they do it through this um, you know, uh, working group that he's going to be leading. So I'm excited about that. Um, again, I don't think it got nearly the media attention that it should have. Uh, But once he begins the process, um, that's something that I think the industry should watch very, very closely. Uh, And then I also will just say to everybody that's listening to this, that's in the cannabis space, um, come and join us at the U.S. Cannabis Council. Contact me about how to engage with your senators and with your House members. Your voice is just as important as mine uh, as a business owner in the United States. And these members, if they hear from you in district or in their state, they're going to react. Uh, and, you know, you you can have just as much uh, power in this process as I do. You don't need to be a, a head of government affairs. You just need to be a small business owner or business owner generally active in their state and telling them what they need uh, going forward. Yep. So, you know, as hard as this job is and, and as hard as this industry is to work in, it's also the most exciting uh, and uh, I'm, I'm excited about the next few months, especially if we can get just a few things to go our way.
0: Yep, nope, absolutely, and, and you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to ask what can consumers or proponents or stakeholders or investors alike do to kind of help push this forward, but uh, you, you answered my question there. I'll ask that, uh, you know, when we post the podcast, if you've got like a link or something that you can send our way that we can also share with folks to get them more involved um, on the reform side of things, that, that'd be fantastic. But David, as always, great to have you on the show. Super, super insightful. Um, really appreciate the time you spent with us here today. And I think that uh, our audience will be very appreciative as well. So thank you so much. And I understand you're headed down to, uh, to Kiowa later today. So hopefully you have a, a great weekend ahead of you too. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Great to be with you.
1: And uh, I'll look forward to chatting again soon, I hope. All right, man. Have a good one. Take care. You too. Bye-bye.